0: And now, it's time for news with my son. And on the phone, actually via Zoom, Jefferson Smith enjoying the West Coast of the United States near the beach. How you doing, son? All right, so how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's a a, a mellow morning.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad here it's a mellow morning, and I am going to pass the baton
1: to you. What kind of what kind of business is that? Well, all right. This is a show. We talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout out? I have two shout outs.
0: First. I want to repeat a shout out I made on Monday. I want to shout out once again for the counters and the poll workers all over the United States of America who have stuck to their job, who have ignored the spurious claims of improprieties and have have demonstrated that we can have A truly great election with the largest number of voters in our history, with now more than a 5 million vote margin for the winner. And second, I want to shout out for Filippo Nito, who is a Brazilian who is taking on Bolsonaro on social media. He's a comedian and he's taken on the dictator. My compliments to Felito. Before we dive into the news, I just want to acknowledge the passing of Lucille Bridges at 86. Lucille Bridges was Ruby Bridges' mother. Ruby Bridges was the six-year-old who integrated that first school and became the subject of the famous Norman Rockwell painting. She passed at 86. And then I also want to warn people that there's a big storm coming tomorrow and Clackamas County is warning people that the big storm may bring some serious landslides and landslides can slide a long way. So if you're out and about Clackamas County near Hillside tomorrow, please be
1: careful. Well, Dad, in national news, Not only are we waiting for the current president of the United States to concede the election and we may be waiting a while but Joe Biden has not waited to name his longtime aide Ron Klain as the White House chief of staff. You've probably seen Ron Klain on MSNBC where he's been a relatively frequent commentator commentator, and participant in those discussions. Uh, what What was your reaction when Ron Klain was named?
0: Well, there was no reaction. He's he's been his he's been his chief of staff before. He's uh, he was I think it was the odds-on favorite. I don't think there was anybody that was seriously competing with him for the job.
1: He was Biden's chief of staff when he was vice president under Obama. Had as you said been widely expected to be named chief of staff. Uh, Biden has worked with Klein for decades. Hired him as an advisor during the presidential campaign. Klain also worked with Vice President Al Gore during the Clinton administration and as chief of staff during the financial crisis a decade ago for Biden. Klain helped oversee the implementation of the $787 billion Recovery Act. He also has some experience battling public health crises. He worked as Obama's Ebola czar in 2014. He has been a fierce critic of Trump's handling of the coronavirus. That's, I think, one of the ways that people became familiar with him publicly uh, he described the appointment as an honor of a lifetime that is true uh it's uh, something i'm realizing that gives biden a chance is that now there is uh, there was a gap for a while when when you'd have 12 years of uh when you have 12 years of reagan and bush and before that you had carter and before that you'd had nixon and ford there was a thin executive staff bench on the Democratic side, people who had been senior aides. You know, for, for decades, from the Roosevelt administration to the Lyndon Johnson administration, the bulk of the senior executives who ran the government had been part of the Democratic apparatus. But then for a couple of few decades, that kind of wasn't true. Uh, And so when Obama became president, for instance, he had sort of rely on, when Clinton became president, he had to rely on some kind of newbies. And when Obama became president, he had to rely on a bunch of Clinton people. Uh, But eventually Clinton, uh, excuse me, Obama built a really good team. And now Biden has a lot of people to choose from for the remaining slots. And so it bodes well for having an effective, well-run federal government, which is something that if Biden's case in the election was something about competence and return to normalcy, there's a chance to keep that promise. Any other thoughts on Ron Klein or any other new thoughts on next appointments that might be coming down the pike?
0: Well, I am continuing to be intrigued about your suggestion of Susan Collins for the cabinet, and I'm liking it more and more. And I'm looking forward to Susan Rice as Secretary of State. There's a couple of COVID things I want to mention, and then I would think we should talk about some more about the election because there's still a lot of election news our way. COVID. The Oregon weekly average this last week, 817, which is twice the weekly average just two weeks ago. Multnomah County, 300 cases just yesterday. Boy, it is spiking. The UK is shutting down again until, that's the United Kingdom, Britain for those who need to be reminded until December 2nd. Brian Jack, the White House political director, has become the fourth person identified coming down with COVID who attended the election night gathering in the White House. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And should we talk about elections? Sure. Well... All state election heads, I mean fifty out of fifty have all said that the election has done been extremely smooth. They solved the problems that are reared in the primary. They've all insisted that there are no fraud significant frauds, one one. Uh, Secretary of State said, asked, have there been any fragile ballots? He said, well, sure, one or two, and those will all be passed on. There's always one or two charges, some of which pan out, but just really good. Despite this, despite this, the Trump folks have filed at least 17 lawsuits, 17 of them. There's a hearing in Arizona today which the Secretary of State in Arizona packaged as just a repackage of their Sharpie claim, which turned out to be totally bogus. The, in Georgia, both Purdue and Leffler, the present Georgia senators who are facing an election the first week in January, charged the Republican Secretary of State with mismanagement and lack of transparency, but were unable to cite a single advantage of how that led to one vote improperly cast. Brad Raffensberger, the Secretary of State, essentially said B.S. to them, but he's agreed to have a hand count, and the hand count, he says, will be completed by one week from tomorrow and he doesn't expect it to make one bit of difference. The In Michigan, the Trump campaign says there were illegal and ineligible ballots, but they haven't been able to point to a single ballot. In Nevada, in Clark County, where the charge was thousands of people who weren't citizens who were residents of nevada had been allowed to vote clark county <laughs> said, director said well we found that there are possibly two that's two not 2000 two that's twice one half of four who might have voted tried tried somebody tried to vote someone who had passed away there uh, the complainers are trying to attack the a- optical scanning system. Good luck with that, Pennsylvania. More than 15 challenges. Oh, wow, 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 wow! All, oh, and they don't have any any examples of of ballots that are bad. They can make these. Challenges of in trans, lack of transparency. The Trump folks did win one one case. They got a court to say that poll watchers had to be allowed to get come within six feet rather than twenty feet. But of course, that affected poll watchers for both sides. Wisconsin, the rep- the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Republican, has ordered an investigation. But again absolutely no evidence. Oh, my, my, my. It goes on and on. I have some other election stuff, but first I should... Do you want to comment on any of that?
1: No, I I think it's... uh, There is... uh, I guess the only thought I have is how surprised I am that the... Well... No, I can't use, surprise is not as efficient, it's not the proper word, because there are elements about it that are not surprising, just disappointing, that the Republican Party is going along with this charade that is trying to uh, continue, the fever hasn't broken, they're continuing to follow along with their defeated uh, Donald Trump, and as a reminder, I had a I had a couple conversations that we're going to be airing on X Ray, uh, with with brilliant brilliant authors. Uh, one of them, Yochai Bankler, who wrote Network Propaganda, which I think is one of the most important uh, social science pieces of research in the political and media space in decades, and that he the way he describes what's happened to. The uh, the Republican Party and the media is what he calls a propaganda feedback loop, and it starts and it started with his research, and you can see it in the network map that he's uh, he's designed with MIT to show the nodes of influence, who retweets whom, and show how much of an echo chamber the uh, uh, right wing media has become, and it's really quite remarkable, uh, and it shows that while Donald Trump has been a catalyst, uh, this is his, this is Bankler's take, while it's been, uh, he's a professor at Harvard Law School, If I didn't mention that, uh, he was a, uh, th- th- while Donald Trump has been a catalyst, he is also the result of this propaganda echo chamber. So those same forces that begat Donald Trump, so for all the Ezra Kleins of the world, they're like, oh, well, or, or all the Lincoln Project people are like, oh, well, Donald Trump's a weirdo. But when Donald Trump is gone, everything will be fine, recognize this beast has been 40 years in the making, and it is not uh, defeated now. Uh, Donald Trump was not, uh, is not the end of Trumpism. If we gave it another adjective or another descriptor, we wouldn't even describe it as Trumpism. And, Dad, the thing that I would say is, The result of this election for saving democracy and saving the country uh, wasn't great. That's what it (laughs) was. It wasn't great. I mean, people were really pleased that uh, that people, you know, obviously Biden voters and people around the world dancing in the streets that Donald Trump was defeated. But in terms of our result, it's not going to change the uh, map makers for Congress. And unless Joe Biden appoints a Republican uh, sitting U.S. senator from a Democratic-leaning state uh, so that he can pick up the U.S. Senate, it's not even going to put him in a great position to make policy.
0: Which reminds me that there's speculation about who's going to be in the ca- in the cabinet. And as I have said before, I predict that there will be no Democratic senators Appointed to the cabinet unless they come from a state where the appointing authority is a Democrat and where the registration is such that the election of a Democrat to replace them is virtually certain, which means that Elizabeth Warren is not going to be in the cabinet yeah. i'm curious i'm
1: curious yeah, all these little, go ahead respond to them uh there there is this push among some progressives to get Elizabeth warren named treasury secretary and i i am right now and i don't want to jump into you know get off my lawn territory but, but they got to be smarter than that but i am wanting a, i am wanting a lefty movement in this country that is strategic i'm wanting a progressive movement in this country that is strategic that can do math that can do power analysis. And they can do more than you know, uh, one or two steps of strategic thinking towards what's actually going to yield progressive policy results. Not just what sounds, not just what's viral on social media, uh, but what'll actually be smart. And I am, uh, and my reaction to that, you know, as as I think any listener who's paying attention uh, knows, Elizabeth Warren was was uh, both of our uh, favorite candidate for. Uh, in the democratic primary and uh, but that but i also can count
0: yes and and counting is where it starts when you're dealing with getting laws passed do you have any ideas as to why trump is holding out the way that he is and why virtually all of the republicans with a few notable exceptions, Mitt Romney, Senator Langford. By golly, we're going to watch what he does tomorrow. If the White House has not agreed to give Biden the daily briefing, that's that will be interesting to see. But why do you think they're doing it? That's a good uh, question. After, after you... you give your reasons, I have a reason that I will mention if you don't.
1: Sure. No, I've I got a couple few some of this is borrowed speculation some of this is my own uh first of all it is it gives trump a different off-ramp part of the uh part of the rhetorical architecture of the propaganda feedback loop of the current uh, republican messaging apparatus is a uh is a culture of bereavement a culture of being aggrieved and or I should grievement, not just grievement. A, a culture of being of how big liberal elite media, which, as I look at media ownership in this country, it makes me laugh, haha. But when, uh, but that's that's part of the thing, right? That anytime a Republican doesn't win, it is because of of somebody in the deep state or some secret George Soros power or something else, you know, which is. You know low-key language for a jewish conspiracy uh the and and so it gives donald trump an off-ramp that's within that theme so he says well of course you know i, I only a rigged election is what got me to lose uh which helps him uh, potentially start up trump tv or engage in whatever his next move is a second why people go along with it uh uh, well, people go. Oh, I got a good text question. I, I appreciate. It. Uh, as uh, Republicans go along with it, in part, because weakening Joe Biden. I mean, there's a reason why Donald Trump cared so much about uh, people not paying attention to the popular vote in 2016. Uh, there's a reason why he kept saying he kept describing that he won in a landslide, despite losing by three million votes. Uh, And that is because the legitimacy of a leader matters. And in terms of their ability to wield moral authority, uh, the, uh, oh, another good text that I'll ask, uh, that I'll answer. So I think that's a, uh, so I think those are two that I would give. But then third is, I think it's, I think what you have, and again, using Bankler's term, the propaganda feedback loop, it's a self-reinforcing idea that that idea feeds into and reinforces the identity of Republican Twitterers and Twitter bots and and uh, and Fox News pundits and so and but I have to I have to give Fox Fox News not Fox commentators but Fox News a shout out because it is that kind of thing that's going to be required for democracy to be sustainable is actually for even uh, opposition media to at least acknowledge facts at some level. Uh, but I, so I think those are the three that that, that feedback loop, that reinforcement uh, is something that Donald Trump is part of, something that Republican apparatus is part of, something that they see. Uh, so I think those are, uh, I think that those are some of them and, and to add into it, like. What do they lose, right? If, Joe, if it makes it harder for Joe Biden to be set up to be an effective president because he doesn't get access to briefings earlier, you know, for even Mitch McConnell, that's probably good news more than bad news. What did I miss? What would you push back on or what would you add?
0: I won't push back on any of them. I will add a fourth, add a first. The fourth is I think that they think it is helping them in Georgia but that by keeping the base ginned up that's going to keep the voters in Georgia who are part of Trump's base and ours to turn out. But I'm going to put first, ahead of everything you mentioned, follow the money. Why do I say that? Because what this is doing, it is resulting very successfully in getting huge amounts of money. From Republican suckers, and I'm going to just call them suckers, all over the country who are sending in their money thinking that it is going to address fraud and misconduct and ultimately overturn the election, when the fact of the matter is 40% of it is going to the Republican National Committee, and most of the rest is going to... Donald Trump's pack which will give him a whole lot of money if he wants to run again in four years or if he just wants to dribble it out to folks around the country to try to maintain his hegemony over Republican voters.
1: Yeah. I I want to complete the, you know, we got a text from uh, we got a text from Joe Pesci. It's all about the money. We got another text. Complete your thought. Why does counting preclude Warren? Uh, Dad, explain that. We didn't we didn't connect those dots.
0: Okay. The reason is that the under Massachusetts law, if a Senate seat becomes vacant, the governor appoints the replacement. The governor of Massachusetts is a Republican. There is no Massachusetts law, different than in Oregon, that requires the appointment of someone in the same party as the departing senator, which means that we would lose one Democratic vote in the Senate, and when we're hoping... To get a 50-50 tie, it would be really stupid to knock one out.
1: We got another text. So, yeah, basically, it, it, had there been big Democratic wins and you could put the Warren seat in some risk, sure, sure. Uh, then, uh, then maybe. Uh, we got another text, though. If the election is rife with fraud as much as the Republicans claim, are we sure that Republicans kept the Senate? Uh, the... I, that came from kyle i think i even could see kyle's tongue in his cheek as he clicks send. Uh, but i what i would say is that it's uh there is a risk right now and i i see the back and forth between some of the swing district democrats and alexander uh, alexander ocasio-cortez that is uh, if people were trying to give it credit they would say it was a battle for the sole democratic party i will say a pox on all their houses and i'll explain what i mean uh the i am right now frustrated i am not, and, I, and i'm, I'm going to offer my own frustration and then i'm going to critique my own frustration here's my frustration i think that both elements of that debate miss the point i'll explain the uh, that, that to characterize it unfairly and and to well, because it, i'm going to characterize it simplistically you have too often a dynamic where, uh, to some degree, corporatist Democrats disagree with uh, base uh, district Democrats, call them AOC, on the best way to win elections, and too often, what you'll hear from the swing district corporatist different things uh, member is, well, we've got to be moderates if we're going to win, and and we and maybe we have to, you know, like. We're, we won't win by taking on big corporations, et cetera. And then you'll have somebody else who says, no, the way we'll win is by being really bold, investing in strategies that focus on developing and supporting uh, voters of color. And this is how we'll win. And, and my concern is that they're both right and they're both wrong. That if we look at somebody like Sherrod Brown, who wins in a place like Ohio, which has become pretty much a red state, it's not because his politics or his attitude, and I recognize he's a white dude, and I'm not, I'm not focusing on that piece. It may play a role. I hope it plays less of a role than I fear it might, but it's, uh, But his, his approach to politics and policymaking is decidedly liberal, but it isn't merely urban center liberal, right? It, it is labor liberal, uh, but it's focused on sort of kitchen tabley kinda of stuff and has an attitude that is different that is embraced by too much of the funding let me explain there're two main sources of f- funding now the third because you have all these uh, all all these small donor contributions that come in through the electronic cords through act blue etc but uh, but the entrenched funders tend to be sort of the lobbyist types, sort of the sort of the corporatist types, if you will, kind of the establishment money types, you know, rich people. And then you have kind of the foundationy types. You have the Open Society types. You have the Ford Foundation types, the people who fund the big 501c3 organizations, many of whom also have PACs and C4s. And the and and the fir- first group, the lobbyist type, tends to not be change agents. They tend to want to preserve what's going on. And too much now. And by the way, what I'm giving you is this is this is pearls here. This is what's this is what's cracking in the in the in the political firmament. And the foundation funded world is focused mostly on urban base building. It is uh, focused mostly on places like AOC's district, uh, places that have high BIPOC populations. And there isn't. and, And one can laud everything I just said or critique some of what I just said. But the I don't mean what I'm saying, but the facts on the ground. Uh, but the the thing that's missed, and the thing the bus project did back in the day, and the thing I'm still sad about that there isn't isn't meaningful focus on it now, is what is the outreach strategy for suburban and exurban districts that is actually building capacity uh, in uh, exurban and suburban districts, and in many states that doesn't just mean white people, to be clear, uh, that is not merely doing it on the basis of trying to find some policy path in the middle, not by trying to use Republican talking points, not by trying to say, well, tax breaks are going to be the primary way that we rescue an economy. Uh, But that is talking about education and healthcare and equal rights even. And, and, and I'm going to say in the essence of democracy, making that case and doing it in places where we can win legislative races and where legislative races need to be won needed to be won in 2020 before redistricting. Uh, So that is my critique. I think some of it is being missed because I think the funders are not the same. The the dynamic betwixt the funders is not the same as the dynamic among voters. But let me now critique my critique, which is the biggest problem is not allies. The biggest problem we face, and there's such a risk of being self-haters, there's such a risk of being self-flagellators, there's such a risk at pointing fingers at allies rather than pointing fingers at where real problems lie. And and, and voter suppression is a far bigger problem than any Demo- big D democratic strategic choice. Uh, the uh, the propaganda uh, network is such a bigger problem than any choice of talking point by by Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden. Any choice among primary voters None of that is, uh, none of the critiques one might levy at uh, progressive allies is nearly as important as actually what democracy is up against.
0: Just a couple of election comments about what happened in the state of Washington. Our neighbor, the governor, reelected very, very handily. He is rumored as a possible cabinet choice, but I doubt very much he'd want it with a four-year lease on the governorship the Republican treasurer was defeated, but the Republican Secretary of State was kept, and I think that's in large part because she made it very clear from the beginning that DDT's criticism of mailed ballots was crap, and people saw her, therefore, as an honest person. Before we dive into local election stuff, I just want to mention, add one more reason that I am saying you should follow the money as to why folks are doing what they're doing. Just for the heck of it, I've been checking out the source, the email source for the all the huge number of emails I am still getting from Marco Rubio and from you know, Cruz and from other senators and from Nunes and from other Republican names, and I discovered that almost all of them are coming from the same website, the same Make America Great Again site. and They're all asking for money, and that's where the money is going to go. So, elections closer to home. Dan Holliday by a vote of more than 2 to 1, was removed as the mayor. Wow, that's quite amazing that it was that big a margin, 68% to 32%, more than 2 to 1. Washington County voters elected their first Muslim black county commissioner, Nafisa Faiz, I hope I pronounced that correctly, came from Somalia, and she was elected with 58% of the vote, which is a very comfortable margin. The Gresham mayor, that's one of the ones to watch the most closely. Something like 500 and some ballots currently separate the... Two candidates, Travis Stovall and Eddie Morales. But at last count, there were something like 500, or no, more than that, 700 votes that were challenged and maybe another 1,000 votes to be counted. So we'll have to see with that. Jeff, do I remember correctly that you interviewed both of those candidates on on the station?
1: I did not, but I know them both. Uh, and, in fact, I know them both pretty darn – I've known both of them for years. Uh, and I've known Eddie Morales, I think, since he was a college student. And, and he's been active in, in progressive politics for a long time. Travis Stovall uh, I first interacted with when I was working with, on the governor's transition team. Uh, and, and Travis Stovall was, was somebody that we, uh, uh, that we engaged in that process uh, in commission work. Uh, and Travis also ended up was on the uh, was on the Metro East uh, Metro East community media board of directors and he actually was the person with whom I negotiated the uh, 107.1 license agreement Uh, and uh, and he's an effective person and somebody I like Eddie Morales has been a, a stalwart champion of progressive causes most of my uh, the, the lion's share of, of my progressive uh, friends and allies were strong Eddie uh, were in our strong Eddie Morales supporters. Eddie also worked for the Democracy Alliance, so he has he has a lot of connections with uh, with national liberal money. Uh, but Dad, I've got I, 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 we can I respond to some of these texts right now? Uh, the Paul from Washington County and Phil ask essentially the same question, and Dad, here's here's one we really missed. We, we needed to address this when it first came up, so thank you to Phil and to Paul. Uh, this is Paul from Washington County. How likely is it that Republican state legislators will direct electors to vote for Trump? Phil, similarly, from Phil. The lawsuits are there to make sure the results are legitimate to give state legislatures reason not to certify the electors and throw the election to the House. Maybe this is far-fetched but don't underestimate the mendacity of the National Republican Party. Yeah, I, we can't rule that out, and it's, uh, and this is uh, this is the play for not just uh, this is the play for not just shows. This is a play to retain power. When Bill Barr is giving instructions, and when and when Bill Barr meets with and this is something we know. Bill Barr met with Mitch McConnell. Uh, an hour later, uh, Mitch McConnell came out and uh, refused to congratulate Joe Biden. And and. Uh, and Bill Barr is not doing that for show, Bill Barr is doing it because he is looking at a path to preserve power, and that is scary stuff and and that is the kind of thing that if it happens, need, would need to lead to a general strike uh, It would need to lead to the kind of mass activity that uh, that stood up for- for democracy to the degree that is required. I am still hopeful that with even Fox News backing with the backing of hopefully a couple more Republican senators, that there will be state legislatures that do not, in Republican states, that will not uh, engage in that behavior uh, and and will not try to overrule uh, a duly elected president. But we should have acknowledged Paul and Phil's point even before they brought it up. Uh, Dad, any further comment on that one? We've got another text I want to respond no, to.
0: No, I, I agree that, that it, is, it is scary because if they were able to somehow prevent there being 270 votes in the Electoral College, maybe even just from abstentions, it would go to the House of Representatives. If it went to the House of Representatives, unless there were some true patriots in some Republican caucus, the Republicans would elect the Republican president.
1: The, uh, another text in was, uh, why isn't Biden in Georgia on national TV drumming up up votes for Ossoff and Warnock? That's a good question. Uh, I suspect because Joe Biden is working to get ready to be president. Oh, and he's focused on that work. It brings to me a different question that I know is different than the question that you asked, but I think it's a very related question and something we haven't done any more Monday morning quarterbacking on yet, which is, was Joe Biden the best nominee for Democrats to win the White House? I've talked to a bunch of smart friends about this and I would tell you the lion's share of responses I've got has been, yes, thank goodness it was Biden, Had it been somebody else, not only would the victories, all you would have seen right now, we might be not talking about only state legislators throwing the uh, state legislatures, uh, corruptly throwing the uh, vote to Trump, but in fact, the electoral college poised to do so. And, And that has been the bulk of the answer that Joe Biden received Uh, had bigger turnout than any president in history, of course, a lot of that's anti-Trump vote, Uh, was able to receive significant uh, Black voter support uh, and was able to rebuild the uh, Blue Wall, uh, not by huge margins, but Wisconsin and Pennsylvania uh, and Michigan, uh, critical states. The three flips that Trump had go to the three flips that uh, Joe Biden had, and that's the whole game. So I think most watchers are saying, yeah, Joe Biden, if what you care about is winning the White House, uh, Joe Biden was the candidate to do it. If there's a counter, if there's a counter, it would be a counter on sort of campaign vigor. Uh, it, it is an argument on energy. It is an argument on not just anti-Trump energy, but the energy of the candidate. And had Elizabeth Warren been the uh had Elizabeth Warren been the nominee, uh, there is a chance she would have campaigned in some ways that Joe Biden wasn't in a position to campaign. He, uh, Joe Biden campaigned a little bit more like William McKinley, right, where people would come to him and and he would demonstrate his competence and demonstrate his platform and get elected president.
0: And sit on his front again. porch.
1: Right. I thought it was his back porch, but was yeah. Was it his back Well, it was his porch. I thought it was his back porch. might have been his front porch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was effective enough to win, and didn't give a bunch of people coronavirus, and that's a good thing. He was the Democratic candidate for president, wasn't a super spreader, and that's a good thing. Uh, there is an argument that a candidate like Elizabeth Warren would have done more barnstorming, and that barnstorming might have made an impact on some legislative races and state senate races. If I were gonna, if if I were a betting person, I would think that if you ran that. You know those elections 10 times i think it would end up actually the same results a narrow democratic victory uh in the, because you got the context of voter suppression you got a, the context of the propaganda feedback loop that no matter who the nominee was this is part of my warrant argument back in the day that that i think i think that who the nominee is matters a little bit less now than it did previously because there is so much because the partisan divide has become so stark uh i so I had a, if it was ten chances, I think five or six of those chances it would have ended up the same. I think one or one or two out of ten of those chances maybe a Warren candidacy does better than uh, than a Biden candidacy, but I think three or four of those chances a Warren candidacy does worse. Uh, that that I do think that it was that if the to the degree the candidate matters, it, and it matters only on the margins, that the margins are what we're talking about in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, and that I do think that Biden was the candidate that. Heck, he's the one that won him. And anybody else, we can't guarantee that they won him. Hillary Clinton didn't win him. Uh, so, I w- so I would say that I don't rely on Biden to be the, I don't think we can rely on Biden to be the uh, primary drum major for, uh, for campaigns. Uh, hopefully he will engage with Georgia. Uh, hopefully he will help with that. But I will say that ultimately I think uh, Stacey Abrams will have a bigger impact on the Georgia result that and and the the efforts absolutely regi- her registration,
0: registration effort is voters. just so important
1: yeah that i think that i think that effort, that ultimately registering and turning out black voters in georgia i think will probably be the most important uh factor uh and but you know having having uh, some white voters uh as well is going to be of course deeply critical in georgia uh biden could help with both stacey abrams could help with both Dad, other local election news. I want to make sure. And, and, and if you have anything about the legislature, would love to hear that.
0: I don't have anything other than the fact that I received, because I get all the stuff from the far right, received an email from a, an Oregon Republican legislator which, which is spouting the spurious national Republican crap which was very disappointing to me. I want to mention before we leave election that I was surprised at what happened with the Uber-Lyft initiative in California where people voted to let Uber and Lyft continue to mistreat their drivers by considering them as employees. The
1: California vote kept kept them as contractors?
0: yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it did, and but while we're talking about Uber and Lyft, just so I don't forget, have you have you caught the local story about Joanne Hardesty and her conflict with her Lyft driver?
1: Yeah, I don't care.
0: Oh boy, <laughs> but that's you know that's that's the, got, that's, got, the, got that's got, the kind of publicity that a politician does not need.
1: Yeah, but you know, getting in a. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pile on. I mean, get there's. I, in fact, I'm gonna cite something Sarah Anarone said. The the politics of uh, the personality politics have taken, for decades, have become far too, uh, taken just a, a far outsized uh, role. And and I know that our platform is a smaller platform to try to direct where attention is. But you know, getting getting frustrated uh, after you know after a recreational evening and and also in the context we I mean, recognize there's a long history there's a long history of of when you're when you're dealing with common carriers uh, where, where where black riders are treated differently than white riders from taxi cabs to uh, taxi cabs to uber and lyft and and that's not to say that this or this lyft driver was at all racially motivated but it is to say that, that can be a triggering event for a lot of people so you know i, I like like i just think i care a lot more about what our city councilors do with respect to uh, what happens with the budget what happens with transportation policy what happens with police policy than if they get in a squabble with some with a driver and that's not to try to knock the driver i know everybody's just trying to do their best uh i want to talk about the uh, I want to talk about the state legislature in Oregon, and uh, because this doesn't get reported on enough, when we were stepping into election day, Dad, it really looked like uh, Democrats were really hopeful that they would be able to pick up uh, uh, that they would be able to pick up seats in both the House and the Senate.
0: And especially in the Senate, to get enough Democrats that the Republicans couldn't shut down the Senate by walking out.
1: And that would have been a big, big deal to have a a walkout-proof Senate. And even picking up one seat uh, would have changed the dynamic. And I talked to a lot of people that that the real hope was to pick up, was to hold in the House, maybe pick up one Democratic seat in the House, uh, and then pick up one seat in the Senate. And they were hopeful and even thinking that's what was going to happen. Because they picked up one seat in the Senate, that would mean that Betsy Johnson's vote wouldn't be dispositive when it comes to revenue measures. Again, just for review, there are thirty Democrat, there are thirty. Excuse me, uh, state senators in Oregon. Uh, so that means sixteen is a, is a majority, and eighteen is a supermajority. Uh, and the supermajority is important for revenue votes. That it takes sixty uh, percent takes uh, eighteen out of thirty, and and um, and 36 out of 60 in the house in order to pass revenue well the coast has gone the way of donald trump uh, david gomberg won uh, but uh, cal mukamoto lost significantly to boomer right and uh, and i do think i do think that white did any politics are playing a role on the coast i really do and, uh, and it was not, the Cal Mukamoto race was not close. It so was 57 to 42, it was a 15 point delta. Uh, it was treated as a swing district. It didn't really perform like a swing district. That was just a straight up loss. And, the, uh, and, in, the, and in the state Senate, uh, Dick Anderson beat Melissa Cribbins by three points, two and a half points, so that was close. Uh, but that seat means that even though uh, Deb Patterson, won by half a point. Uh, and uh, uh, Deb Patterson won by half a point in District 10, uh, uh, beating Bowles that, that, and flipping that seat. That was the one that people were hoping would be the flip. Well, they got the flip, but the other flip happened also. Arnie Roblin's retirement meant that there was a Democratic seat lost. And so it was a plus one, minus one, uh, the Democrats got a little stronger in the valley and got weaker on the coast uh, and that is uh, uh, and that means we're still at 1812 and then on the uh, and then in the on the House side uh, there was a uh, there was a pickup but interestingly it was a pickup that Tina Kotick and the folks did not prioritize as highly because Jason Kropf had had, uh, had had some critique of some I think it was some sexist statements uh and uh and the or it was a, it was a claim of I'm, I'm forgetting what the i'm forgetting what the what the critique was uh but the uh, but a lot of the merge organ crew a lot of the um a lot of the tina Kotec crew and the was was not wanting to support jason kropf uh and but jason kropf ended up winning uh 60 to uh 60 to 39 handily winning in bend uh and, uh, and giving Democrats a seat pickup. And it's a good thing that he did because Democrats lost two other seats. I mentioned Kal Mukamoto uh, uh, lost. And the other was Debbie Booth Schmidt, uh, who also lost to Suzanne Weber in District 32. And I want to I back enlarge my map. Come on, map, get re-enlarged so I can find District 32 on my map. Uh, and this is why I want to bring up and, and what, the reason I want to bring up this is, Dad, did, did I mention the other day the amount of money that was spent uh, on on Debbie Booth Schmidt's race? A lot. It was a lot. Do you remember? Can you remember when you were uh, chief of staff to the Oregon Speaker? Do you remember about how expensive state houses were? And that is Forty, in my lifetime.
0: Forty thousand dollars was a lot of money.
1: Uh. The uh, I, I the, now it doesn't the,
0: get you inside the door,
1: uh, yeah. Five and, and 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 typically, I think it was more like five grand for uh, in in democratic primaries. I know that was what uh, I know that was what Hardy Myers said his his state legislative race cost was five thousand dollars when and not very long ago at all, 10 years ago. When uh, when Ben Cannon was was running, we were doing Ben Cannon's race in Southeast Portland. Uh, he he raised, uh, I think it was fifty six thousand. He raised and spent it was fifty six thousand dollars. That was just Democratic primary, and uh, and he won. And around that time, the uh, the the state house races had gotten past a quarter of a million dollars. That's pretty expensive. The uh, re- costs continue to go up and part of my argument for why we need campaign finance limits in the state is not cuz that's going to cure everything but we have to do something that bends the cost curve ultimately we got to get to publicly financed elections but we've got to bend the cost curve and and to illustrate this in Debbie Booth Schmidt's race okay in just in in that district Debbie Booth Schmidt lost and lost by a pretty decent margin she spent one point, and by she, I mean the entire sort of Big D Democratic apparatus, labor unions largely, spent $1.3 million for a job that pays, what, 28 grand. $1.3 million for an Oregon State House seat. Uh, and but for Jason Kropp, Democrats would have lost two seats this time. Instead, they lose on net one. So that's the state of affairs Democrats still have. Uh, revenue supermajorities in the House and Senate, which is important, but it, but they did not pick, despite a year that should have been a huge year for, that uh, de- was a huge year for Democratic turnout generally, should have been a huge year overall, and we've talked about some of the, the reasons for that, we think. Uh, the uh, uh, Democrats in the legislature did not gain seats. This is one of the reasons why uh, that, that was cited to why uh, there is a challenger to keep Tina Kotex leadership would be hard for that uh for such a challenge to be successful but i wanted to say that dad we got a couple minutes before our next guest
0: i want i uh, yes we do and there's a a bunch of international stuff i'm going to laundry list because i think it
1: merits well Dad, i gotta i gotta say this i gotta say this just tease, just to tease the interview we're going to have we're going to have a teacher now the teacher is going to be that's our next guest the teacher is going to be anonymous so they don't get in trouble with portland public schools uh, we're gonna call them uh, Tom or special educator Tom or teacher Tom, if we'd like. That's gonna be our guest today at 30, But Dad, over to you.
0: Well, international first, gotta mention the sad story of Cardinal McCarrick, who was not only protected but but promoted by the a Pope who has brought such such calumny upon the church and the Pope is promising to root it out, root out sexual misconduct. That's going to be a great thing if he can pull it off. Hong Kong, China has completely reneged on the promise they made in 1997 that they would not try to do away with the basic democracy in Hong Kong for 50 years. That would be 2047. They have evicted four members of the legislature, and the 15 others have walked out because they're not going to pretend that it is really a legislature anymore. They've passed a law doing away, basically, with academic freedom at the university. Very sad. Jeremy Corbyn has been suspended from the Labour Party in Britain. Wow, the Get Tim Marcroft to talk about that next Monday. So ISIS. Why
1: did get I missed that story.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, they just... They, they. I'm not clear on why. That's why we need Tim. Apparently, allegations which I think are way overblown about anti-Semitism. Hard, hard really to com- compare that to his actual history. But uh, ISIS in Mozambique has been beheading scores, literally scores of people. Civil war in Ethiopia causing over thousands of Ethiopians to flee into Sudan. And Armenia, Azerbaijan, looks like they have actually settled their dispute without going to an all-out major war due to the influence of Russia and Turkey. Some national news that I think is worth mentioning... There's been a massacre at the Department of Defense. People are wondering why is that happening? Strong suspicion that it's happening because DDT wants to publish top secrets to try and show folks. I just want to mention that they found the murder hornet nest and they found over 200 queens in that nest, which is pretty scary want to say sad that the four seasons that uh, the S- Stevens nest in Portland is shutting down, which is sad. I saw it after 100 years too bad and I want to compliment four seasons total landscaping. the guy's got to have a great sense of humor that's where where the Giuliani, had his press conference, I suspect it was because it was going to be at the Four Seasons Hotel, and the Four Seasons Hotel said no, so they went to Four Seasons Total Landscaping. So now, Four Seasons Total Landscape is selling stickers that say, Make America Rake Again, and Lawn and Order, my compliments to the proprietor. Anything you want to talk about? There's also I can laundry list Pop, a little.
1: I think it's time for your straw in the wind. Okay,
0: straw in the wind. Two straws in the wind. Three straws in the wind. John Thompson, the former great coach of the Georgetown basketball team, has said, "Pay players should be paid." Mississippi elected a black woman as Miss Mississippi who has won the Miss USA contest and last big straw in the wind, Neil Cavuto cut Kaylee McEnany right off. Just shut her off because he said, we're not going to publish the lies you're telling. Whoa, that's a big one.
1: Well, Pop, we did it one more time.